Welcome to the Living Out Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Steele, where I help people use their difference to make a difference through personal growth, discussions about social justice topics, and the rights and equality of LGBTQ people. In my work as a life coach, I work with gay men to help them live out the best of who they are and to use their unique gifts and insights having grown up gay, understanding that they were different, that they were other, and how they can take that perspective, that way of looking at the world, to get to work on making some changes, to disrupt the status quo out of its little box of normality, of this is the way everything has been done. So today I'm talking about in defense of queers disrupting the status quo. Now, about twice a month, I write a newsletter to share and promote the queer thought leadership that's published on my magazine, Think Queerly, that I have on Medium. On Friday, I put out a newsletter, and then that was pulling together about six or seven really insightful articles, Um, one of them about normate gays that Jeffrey Yovanove um, talks about body image and gay male culture and diet culture and how we sort of create this hierarchy of who's a, who's considered an acceptable body and what it is we're trying to attain, what it is we find approval-worthy, what it is we find most sexual and how that's problematic. We had some great content about Canada, finally, yay, as a Canadian and someone who lives in Toronto, we have a wonderful new author talking about the LGBTQ Canadian coin that the Canadian Mint just put out recently. And Zane Neeson spoke about the importance of inconvenience. They are such a polite person, and they had an experience where their boss actually came to them privately and asked them, how should we address you? What pronouns do you prefer? And they are so used to being polite and trying to not disrupt the status quo while trying to exist as gender fluid at the same time that they were completely shook up. So Saturday morning, I open up my email and I really shouldn't do this. (laughs) And I read a response to the newsletter that went out. And I'm only going to share this very first take of the newsletter. Oh, sorry, of the the email exchange. So the person wrote, Take me off your mailing list, please. I will not be called queer. It is offensive and disgusting. Besides, half the weird shit I read from you makes me very angry. You've absolutely lost the plot. You people make me not want to be gay. Funny, isn't it? It's the gay community that makes me feel like this. Wow. Loaded. Now, if this person happens to be listening, that's fine. I am not going to attack them. I'm going to be talking about the experience, the context, and where this all comes from. What this tells me about the world as I see it, and what I see as some of the challenges of where that comment is coming from. So here's the basic truth. No one can make you feel the way you feel. Whatever I wrote in that newsletter, whatever the collection of authors wrote in their individual articles that I was highlighting in that newsletter from the past two and a half weeks of April, did not make that person feel anything. That person chose to respond in the way that they did. It was more of a reaction than a response. 
Now, take, for example, something more out there in the social media sphere or in the news world. I can't make you angry. A politician can't make you angry. A friend, your partner, your dog can't make you happy. Only you can choose your feelings based on your behaviors and your beliefs. Now, the more we're on autopilot, the more that we don't realize how 80% of our brain is sort of subconsciously responding via behaviors and patterns that we've learned that keep us safe and protected to exist as harmoniously as possible amongst all these other 8 billion or 6 billion humans, there's only about 18 to 20% of our brain that works on the logical making choices for what we believe is free speech. That's a whole other conversation. And somebody like Sam Harris and the um, Making Sense podcast is a good place to go and understand the nature of consciousness. And, and as from his perspective as a neuroscientist, how little choice we actually have um, for many of the things that we do in our lives. Well, let's get back to this intentionality of response. When your lover strokes your hair, gently looking into your eyes with love, you could ignore them and feel nothing. Alternatively, you could just melt slowly into their eyes, lovingly and so affectionate for the experience and and grateful of the tenderness and the intimacy that the two of you share. When someone writes an angry or offensive tweet or writes a post or makes a comment, you can ignore it and pretend that it doesn't exist. You can respond to it with questions in an attempt to dialogue. And you can use so many different ways to try and dialogue. You can ask with empathy. You can only ask questions. You can try to do a steel man argument to really try and understand what it is they're saying and where they're coming from to create some form of agreement. Or you can react with anger and shout back and jump up and down and and bully and call them names and use expletives and retaliation. In every single case above, it's a choice how we respond. So if we react immediately, we could back up and apologize. We could try and recover. That's, That's a hard place to be. It's really hard to come back from responding an attack. It can be done, but it requires a lot of work. And it's it's admittedly difficult to control our reactions that are based on these unconscious behaviors that are trying to protect us. When somebody says something like what they wrote to me in that email, I immediately feel like I want to go on the defensive. Like, oh, how dare they? And why would they say such a thing? And that what is wrong with them? And none of that is helpful. I know that. And it's mindfulness, however you do that, whether that be, it's a, it's a beautiful day, finally, May, here in Toronto, and everything is out, and the blossoms on the trees, and the magnolias, and just like a woman stopped and looked at me as, as I was looking at the same tree, she's like, oh, isn't that beautiful? That's mindfulness on a basic level, just recognizing the beauty in the moment of nature, and having another human being walk past me, seeing that I'm seeing that I'm witnessing the same moment of just perfect transcendence. That we're just like, wow, this thing called life that we see every single spring is so moving that it stops us to communicate with each other on just a pure level of shared 
joy at the magnificence of creation. Mindfulness also comes from meditation, which I have not been practicing as much as I want to, as much as I really need to, because that helps with me being able to recognize all the reactions and subconscious, unconscious behavioral mechanisms and defense mechanisms that are coming up that make me want to just pounce. And the more that we do these things that give us the practice to more easily be mindful, the more we can slip into what's called in meditation and other practices, the gap, that space in between no thought and no thinking. It's not not thinking, it's no thinking. It's a distinct sort of like discussion in Zen. And that allows us to use that meditative pause to potentially override the ego's need to defend itself, to be right, to defend what it owns, which is a belief that I am right, that what I'm doing is good and productive in the world, and to allow us to choose a potentially more tempered response. So this just made me realize, and I'm not being hubristic here, that I know I'm making a difference when I start getting these kinds of emails. Yes, it's gorgeous and lovely when people send me a lovely testimonial and they thank me for something I've said and done and But I push buttons, not because I want to piss people off, but because I'm not afraid to. And there's a big distinction, an important distinction between those two things. I could just be an asshole. And I know what that is because I've been that. Or I can, if you're a follower of the podcast, you've heard some very intimate, calm, in-depth going into insight and sharing and trying to explore an idea that I'm sharing. And sometimes you've heard me really on my high horse, like my Ten Commandments podcast. Hey, that's going to offend some people, and that's okay. There are things that offend me, but that's a moment for me to go, why is that offensive to me? What does that mean? And how can I rise above the reaction to the offense? And trying to be a better person in this moment. But you, you, I know that I'm disrupting the status quo to an extent that when somebody is so shook out of their box that they pop up like a jack in the bobs and they, they, they just can't even click on subscribe. They have to tell me how they feel. They have to share their thoughts with me in an attempt to try and make me feel bad or to shame me for my ideas. And I've seen this time and time again, and I'm sure you have as well. It's as if the person is so angry that that they can't even disconnect themselves from the message. And it makes me wonder, is there a way out that if I don't unsubscribe them, they can still potentially hear the message? Uh, I think it is much more that this person wants to start a fight. That's plain and simple. And that's a difficult place to start, right? It's really easy to close your eyes, to cover your ears, and to say nothing. Hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. You know, the three monkeys putting their hands over their eyes, their ears, and their mouth. But it takes a massive amount of courage and an ever-thickening skin to risk offense, 
as I said before, not for the sake of making offense, but for the sake of disrupting someone out of the fog that they potentially live in. And I'm not immune when I say that. There are fogs I live in. There are things I do not see. There are ways in which I've had to wake up. A few years ago, I could not understand why Black Lives Matters was disrupting the Toronto Pride Parade. My partner was really pissed with me and disappointed, and it took me a while. And I read, and I listened, I argued, I tried to defend my position, and then I woke up. It just finally clicked. It was a block. And there were some really stupid reasons within me for why I thought it was wrong what they did. And I'm happy to say I'm over it. But it's just one personal example of sharing with you that I was being, in my mind, ridiculous. Not going to call somebody else ridiculous because that's not fair. And not to sound trite or dismissive or better than in this situation, which is why I wanted to share that I make mistakes. You know, I did not respond as effectively as I would have liked to with this person. But as best I could, I treated him with kindness. I didn't call him names. I didn't tell him to fuck off. But I tried to challenge him every single time that he came back at me with another jab and more bullying and more shaming for my work. And I should have just let it go and just put it in the spam folder. But according to him, I am one of the few people in the world who is destroying life for all gays on this planet and that I'm going to be responsible for things getting worse. And that, you know, the word queer is so horrible and yet, you know, there are 1,500 people following the publication. And then I'm watching something on Netflix and then I'm just looking at Facebook and then I'm just reading the general news and I see queer everywhere and I see LGBTQ everywhere and I see queer eye for the straight guy and I see... Queer, 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 queer. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I know this is not my problem, but this is an interesting issue where, from a mindset perspective, this person is really stuck in a box that's an old box. And maybe that word is a trigger for them. And when words are a trigger that they make us lose it, well, there's therapy for that. There are great books that give you excellent exercises to try and work through why something is such a trigger. And psychologically, these can be very harmful moments for an individual. But I don't see how you can live in this world today where even foreign countries using a different language other than English have adopted the word queer, where politicians use it freely and openly because it is no longer an offensive word. It is no longer dismissive of a population. It is inclusive. And it harkens back to this idea of uniqueness and difference. And it might mean odd, but odd doesn't always have to mean bad. Yes, odd can mean odd in a negative sense, but in the semantic world field, word field, when we understand linguistics and language and, and the, the, the difference in the variety of meanings of words, queer has a very long history. And you can, you can just look it up on etymology.com and, and, Look at the expansiveness of the meaning of the word itself. So this, what seemed to me to be highly unreasonable response, taught me a really important lesson. 
you know, just recently I did a fantastic interview with Mark Green of Remaking Manhood and the little Me Too book for men. And the way in which he described man box culture is so important that the, the man box culture is this hierarchy of the patriarchy where it's like men are controlling other men to stay within the norm of not sharing emotions, um, not speaking out of turn, uh, acting always in a particular way. And so I saw this happening in this exchange, even some of it in me, back and forth with this person. And, and how pervasive this is. When we live in a culture that exhibits racism, when we live in a culture that exhibits prejudice, when we live in a culture that exhibits the patriarchy, we will all exhibit parts of it to different extents because we, we live in it. So sometimes we absorb these things because it's so pervasive. It shows up in our media. It shows up in conversations. It shows up in, in, in advertising. Um, and all we can do is to wake up more to it, to have these deeper conversations, to think more differently, to think more queerly, to disrupt that which we have taken for granted, to disrupt what we maybe think we don't is wrong just because we don't like it. And if you, just because we don't like something is not a very good argument for having a belief system. This is not an easy path that I'm on, I've recognized. It can be very frustrating when I get this kind of feedback. But I recognize that if I'm going to keep moving forward with this kind of work that I'm doing, on my podcast, on my publication, Think Queerly, in my work to help gay men and, and just the broader LGBTQ community to use their difference to make a difference, to work to make a positive and impactful change, evolutionary change in the world from where we are right now. I'm going to have to have a thick skin. And sometimes I want to give up and throw the towel in and just say, fuck it, I'll just stop doing this. But when I think no one cares and then I get a beautiful thank you and a testimonial, it just reminds me that I'm not doing this for followers and I'm not doing this because I want attention. I'm doing this because I have to. I'm doing this because I need to. I'm doing this because... I'm trying to be the change that I want to see in the world. I don't want to win people over because for me, that just feels like competition. It's a numbers game. I'm not going to do fluff. I'm not going to do five minute podcasts. I'm not going to try and do like a feel good episode. Um, I may make, I may record something that makes you feel good. Right. But it's not just like, if I do something that's going to be light, it may just be that I'm doing an interview that is talking about something that's really important for the greater LGBT community, and let's celebrate that. But let's also get in-depth. Let's really talk more deeply about it. Let's, like, really... I think you understand what I'm saying. I want to change minds. I want to change hearts. I want to help people think differently. I want to help my LGBTQ friends and the community to use their difference to make a difference. I want people to have dialogue. Even if that conversation ends without an agreement. But if it ends with both sides 
respecting each other and going, okay, fine. I value what you have to say. I understand what you have to say, but I, I just, I can't agree with you right now. Maybe we can talk about it some other time. That's good. That's a start. And that, I think, I feel, I believe, I hope, is where change is going to happen. Not through personal tax attacks, not, not, not through shaming or bullying. But given that this is how so many people are communicating today, I'm willing to trudge through the muck and the dirt, getting my hands dirty in the thick of things to get to the clearing on the other side. Metaphorically so, like today, this beautiful sunny day, I can see the sun and the clear blue sky on the other side and, and feel joy in that. That I've made someone think differently, even if it offended them, so that they took the time to come down and go, okay, what does this actually mean? What am I afraid of? Why does this bother me so much? Where is this coming from? What is this triggering in me? Where where does this show up in other places in my life, and, and what does this mean? We all need to woke ourselves up. We need to wake up to the things that are our blocks, are our struggles in life that hold us back, and in turn, keep us within that box of everything being the same. And if everything stays the same, nothing changes. I'd like to speak with you now about becoming a member or think of it as a supporter of the Living Out show. And there's definitely benefits involved in considering this opportunity. So, you know, on the show, I talk about our unique insights and contributions to culture, art and humanity and how we can use our difference to make a difference. Well, I'm on one side of the microphone. And I want to help bridge that gap to help more people into the discussion of becoming change makers, of using their difference to make a difference. Now, I'm biased, of course, but I believe LGBTQ people are essential and vital to creating evolutionary change in the world to help resolve some of the big problems we're seeing, the discord, the argument, the violence, the prejudice, and the hate and hatred. But it starts with a conversation, as I've already said. So I've decided to use a service called Patreon. And this allows me entry points so that people who want to become more involved in this conversation can do so. Now, my role in as a coach and as a thought leader is in supporting healthy, guided dialogue to help people think critically about the topics that I present on the show. And the desired outcome is to develop and improve more LGBTQ thought leaders who want to create this healthier, more productive, happier, and less prejudiced society. Now, with my podcast, I have the goal to, if possible, produce two or more deep dive interviews per month with LGBTQ thought leaders or allies, change makers who are actually making a difference. The interviews are like Deep conversations, the kind that you'll have with maybe a good friend over dinner. You're, you're really getting into it. You're not having an argument, but you might be challenging each other to grow and to think. 
And that takes some really good work and some thought and preparation to put this out into the world and to offer you, my audience, my supporter, the kind of interesting, enlightening, insightful, and educational impact so that you leave this podcast feeling like you've learned something new and maybe you've come away with a strategy or a different way of thinking so that you can make improvements in your own life or in the way you see situations that are challenging that you want to correct in some way. So how can you support the Living Out Show. How can you become a member and what are the benefits? Well, there's an introductory tier that starts at $5 and and that's literally like a donation. You're saying, keep doing this great work, Darren. I support you. I don't expect anything in return, but I know you're going to keep at it with your twice weekly show. And I've got two more tiers at the moment. And one is to be able to have discussion on a private Facebook group so we can talk about anything in relation to the podcast or things that are going on within the rubric of what it is I discuss. And then I will also be offering a twice-monthly live and interactive uh, video-type conference. It could be an Ask Me Anything. It could be going more deeply into a particular topic. And it might even be that I invest, uh, sorry, invite someone who's already been on the show and answer some questions to go even more deeply into a topic that's already been discussed. So that's it. I don't want to take up any more of your time. And I really appreciate you listening and considering if you would support the Living Out show and my efforts. Just a final thought. If you can't afford it, please don't spend your money. I've been there. I know what that's like. Hey, that's why I offer this content for free, because it's important to me to put my ideas out there in the hopes of making change. You can still help me by sharing a podcast that you really enjoy on social media, rating it, or leaving me a review on whatever platform you listen in on, like Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts is the name of it now, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. And as always, thanks for listening. Live out and live proud.